Remember, freedom is a gift from God. Choose to accept it, guard it, nourish it, share it with your loved ones. Don't let anyone take it from you. Choose to be free. Learn how to choose freedom with your host, Dr. Baruch Platner. Welcome to the show, my friends. Today, I want to talk about uh, the difference between the America that maybe Trump supporters wish it to be and uh, social democracy, the likes of which exists in um, Europe, Western Europe, Israel, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and so on. And it's important to recognize these differences, differences and to understand what is it that Americans who support President Trump mean when they say that they reject this um, social democratic model. And um, to understand whether Trump supporters have a, a coherent worldview that is different from what is happening now in, in really substantially all the other Western countries. <clears throat> so I think there are um, a number of differences that um, that are in play. Uh, one very significant one is that in uh, social democratic systems like uh, that again exist uh, everywhere in, in the Western world except perhaps in America, I and mean, that's also not true today because America is um, becoming a social democracy. But let's just kind of freeze time at this moment where maybe it hasn't as of yet completely made the switch or go back a short uh, brief period in time just before it has made that switch, which I believe it just has. Well, in social democracies, uh, people get to elect their leaders but only within or from a slate that has been pre-approved by the elites. In other words, um, the elites, sometimes some people in the kind of right-wingy Twitter sphere call, call it the cathedral. In other words, the intelligentsia, the academia, the professions, uh, doctors, lawyers, deep staters, bureaucrats, career politicians, you name it. All of these folks uh, as uh, acting uh, as a kind of a unofficial aggregate uh, define the parameters within, within which uh, a candidate for any office must live if he or she wished to run in the elections and in a very true sense of the word, be allowed to <clears throat> win. Now, um, you know, you could ask yourself, well, what happens if somebody who is not approved by this uh, so-called cathedral, by those elites, what happens if uh, somebody like that wants to run in, in the elections? I mean, this is not defined in law. The law says in, in all Western countries that you know, anyone can run. Well, yes, the law says that, but 
in reality, we know what would happen. If somebody who, uh, who is outside of, uh, you know, beyond the pale for these um, ruling elites, if, if somebody like that is, uh, tries to run in, a, in an election, especially a consequential one, you know, maybe if you want to be elected, um, you know, counselor for in, a, in your small town, that's okay. But any kind of consequential election, uh, what they will do is they will deploy their media machine uh, and, and whatnot to smear you out of existence. They'll cancel you. They'll, For example, they did that to Laura Loomer right now in South Florida where she, where she ran against uh, another older Jewish woman, uh, uh, a Democrat, uh, and lost whether uh, rigged or not rigged. And I'm coming to the whole rigged point next. But Laura was uh, completely deplatformed uh, from all social media, A to Z. She was uh, painted as a bigot, a racist, an Islamophobe, um, uh, <clears throat> even an anti-Semite, even though she's a complete 100% Jew and loves Israel and so on. So, <clears throat> you know, the, and, and there's examples uh, like that in Europe too. In Holland, there is a Dutch politician uh, who is, uh, for example, uh, who doesn't love, let's say, the Muslim takeover of his country and uh, <clears throat> Marine Le Pen in France um, are good examples of her dad. I forget, forgot his first name now. But uh, Mr. Le Pen or Monsieur Le Pen, Père, you know, her father, he was also ostracized in the same manner and so on. So these people are allowed to run, but... Uh, the the powers that be make it so that they never have a chance of an ice cube in hell of actually winning because they make it impossible for them to spread their message and they paint them in, in uh, they make them out to be worse than uh, literally Hitler. Uh, and as we saw in America today, um, if a candidate like, let's say, uh, uh, President Trump uh, actually somehow breaks through this blockade. And that is a very rare once-in-a-lifetime event indeed and, you know, hinges solely on um, uh, Trump's 100% name recognition before he ever ran for president and his understanding of how these politicos on the uh, establishment side really work and <clears throat> his independent wealth well, those allowed him to kind of break through directly to the people and kind of use the mass media, social uh, social network uh, platforms or social media platforms to his advantage and uh, kind of uh, take them by surprise and win the 2016 election. But what happened in uh, just now in 2020 was that they went to Plan B and Plan B is simply use the fact that they are the ones that count the votes, tabulate the votes, to basically take the take his victory, his second victory, his re-election victory away from him. It's as simple as that. They never had the slightest intention of letting him win, letting Trump win, which is something that Nancy Pelosi said quite openly. So, again, in social democracies, and that includes now America, uh, people have a say they do have a say, but it's more similar to Iran than to America how it used to be. Because in Iran, uh, 
there are elections, but the people running in those elections are all pre-approved by this, the, the, the executive council or the high council of the mullahs, uh, chaired by the Ayatollah, the chief cleric. And uh, these people are the final arbiters of who can run in any election. And then the election can actually be uh, fair in the sense that they don't really care if um, candidate A or candidate B wins because both are acceptable to them. And that, that's exactly what also happens in um, in social in, in Western uh, social democracies where uh, this uh, cathedral, this establishment, uh, once the candidates uh, who, who are running in elections are acceptable to it, they really don't care which one wins. For example, they didn't care if Bush or Gore won because both were acceptable to, to, to the American establishment. They didn't care if Clinton or Bush the father won. Uh, they didn't care uh, much if uh, if Mitt Romney or Obama won, um, and so on. Why? Because these people are uh, parts of <clears throat> they're part and parcel of the establishment, and um, any differences between them are quite on the margins, and are actually made to seem much bigger than they are in reality to provide the public with a kind of a, a circus. Uh, you know the the, the 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 circus part of the of the Roman uh, bread and circuses is important. Uh, it's kind of this matrix-like simulation, right? So uh, you could say that elections in uh, the West are a kind of simulation because uh, they really never affect the outcome. By the way, Japan is exactly the same thing. The only people who can run in elections in Japan are people who are completely vetted and uh, okayed by the uh, Japanese uh, business and government establishment. So, you know, they, they blow up these differences to make it interesting for the public and to, to have the public not lose interest in the election. Why? Because one of the best ways that the public uh, can resist this how should I say, uh, mind control by the, by the government or this uh, show that the government puts, uh, puts up for it is simply to not participate in it. It's simple as that. For example, and we, see, we, we can see uh, vestiges of this in the Georgia runoff election right now happening January 5th, just a few couple of weeks from now, I guess. Um, you know, there's a lot of people saying why in the heck should we go and bother voting? And I totally agree with them. There is absolutely no reason to go vote in any American election going forward because what you know for sure is that there is no difference between the candidates. They are totally vetted and stamped uh, like a side of beef, you know, AAA uh, by the establishment. So, and the establishment doesn't care if you vote for A, B, C, or D, right? Uh, so why bother? And if you want to say to the establishment, listen, you know, you do what you want. I know I'm powerless to resist, you know, whatever. You do what you want, but what do you want from me? Why would I 
waste my time and go vote for one of the candidates that you want me to vote and those are the only candidates on the slate. You're not giving me any real choice. You're giving me pretend choices. So why would I even participate in your sham? You know, in your, in your, I don't, I don't want part of it. So, you know, I wouldn't go vote in Georgia now if I had lived there. What's the point? Is there any difference between Purdue and Leffler and Ossoff and, uh, uh, sorry, forgot the name of the other gentleman? I don't think so. They, they, they're all totally acceptable to the establishment. They're not going to do anything remotely different. So all the same. So, and any differences that may appear between them right now, they're only staged. It's fake. It's WWE. It's 100% fake. So that's one of the big differences of how America used to be. When There used to be a real choice for the American people, no more. And of course, in the, in, in the rest of the West, this real choice, if it has ever existed, which I doubt, certainly doesn't exist today. That's one difference. The other difference, uh, perhaps of even greater importance, is that, but it's related, <clears throat> is that the debates of, uh, sorry, the parameters of the debate, the, the parameters of what is, uh, to use a Jewish term, kosher and not kosher, <clears throat> or as we say in... Uh, in um, in Hebrew slash Yiddish, treif or treifa, you know, which means unclean. What is clean and is unclean, well, that boundary is defined not by the people, but by the establishment. All right? So, <clears throat> and this boundary uh, can move and can move even very rapidly if the establishment so wishes. You know, I was reminded... Uh, just recently, yesterday, I think, I think on Twitter, somebody tweeted, and it's true, that uh, as recently as 2008, 12 years ago, California, the most progressive, supposedly, state in the American Union, voted to reject, and I, and I say again, reject gay marriage. Okay. Uh, and since then, of course, the Supreme Court gave the kosher stamp, <laughs> ridiculously enough. Uh, you know, the, the Supreme Court stamped with a big stamp kosher, this idea of marriage between two men or two women. And um, the, 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 the boundaries of the debate moved in those 12 years so much that gay marriage now is on par or, or rejecting gay marriage is on par with accepting slavery, let's say. But what I want to tell you, and this is a very crucial thing, is that the way America was set up <clears throat> originally, the reason that it was a union of uh, independent states and the whole point behind federalism, and the way the Constitution itself was set up as a guarantor of non-infringement on individual rights, well, it was done in such a way <clears throat> that uh, the parameters of what, were, of what was acceptable or not acceptable were, first of all, left entirely to the states to decide 
with the purpose of people being able to, and, and the, the founding fathers actually mentioned this, that people could vote with their feet. In other words, if a state, if, if a state in which they were born, for example, established certain parameters that were unacceptable to them, they could move to another state which had different parameters. And something as fundamental as slavery uh, is a good example of that because already at the time of uh, American independence, as we all know, uh, northern states had, had abolished slavery. So, uh, whereas southern states were yet uh, to do that and wouldn't do it until forced to do it 80 years later. Well, this is a very fundamental thing. You know, can you own a human being? Or is a person who, who has dark skin indeed a human being? Well, what the Constitution said was, um, well, the federal government shouldn't make any proclamations as to these points. The states should. And at least if you were a free person, black or white, not a slave, uh, and you found yourself in Georgia, which was a slave state, and you wanted to live in a non-slave state, well, you could move to Massachusetts. And on the contrary, somebody from Massachusetts was free to moved to Georgia before 1864 and by slaves, if he so desired. So the way it was set up was based on a complete non-intervention by the federal government into the parameters of what was socially, morally, ethically, and legally uh, possible or impossible. Those were left for the states. In other Western countries, that's not the case, and we will talk about that in the next segment. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. Welcome back to the show, my friends. Where we left off was uh, going over some differences between um, uh, social democracies and uh, the constitutional republic that America used to be. And that's important because America is now rapidly morphing into a social democracy. So we covered the fact that in social democracies, elections are, in a sense, a sham because the only people who are allowed to contend for office must be pre-approved by the ruling elites. And then, sure, you can make a choice 
who you like better personally, who you, or whom you like better personally, who is more likely to succeed at his job, who is more competent. But you have to remember that uh, all candidates must be operating within the parameters set by the ruling classes, the ruling elites, the cathedral. Well, uh, that certainly was not the case originally in America. Second difference is that the uh, parameters of what is socially acceptable and not acceptable, what is within the pale and beyond the pale, in social democracies, uh, even uh, uh, federal social democracies, such as, for example, Germany, which is a federal republic, supposedly like America, uh, the parameters of what is socially acceptable and what is not, what is within the pale, what is beyond the pale, are not set by uh, the German states or the Canadian provinces or the Australian, uh, I think they call it states, could be wrong. Uh, they are set by the federal government. And that is in stark contrast to the Constitution, which left all of that entirely and exclusively to the states. So, you know, in, in America today, that America, uh, actually the Supreme Court, which for some reason conservatives uh, peg their hopes on, which to me is the most ridiculous thing ever because the Supreme Court has an unblemished history of being progressive and aligning itself with the most progressive elements in America's uh, polit uh, politics, uh, and uh, at least in the modern post-Second World War era. Right? <clears throat> so, uh, to use uh, the example of gay marriage, gay marriage was unacceptable to Californians in 2008, and yet, seven years later, the Supreme Court made it so that it's impossible for any state to deny uh, persons of the same sex the right to, mar to marry each other. Seven years only. So the Supreme Court plays no role in conserving any social mores or anything like that. On the contrary, it is at the point, at the sharp edge, the pointy end of rapid social change. So... Um, America, how it used to be, how it was constituted, was a true federation of independent states. How it is now is anything but, and it's much more like Canada, Australia, Germany, where certain local laws can be made by states and provinces and so on, but the parameters of what is socially acceptable and what is not socially acceptable are set entirely by the ruling elites, via the, the federal government, which is subservient to them, and the court, uh, the court system, the legal system as well. So that applies to things like abortion, gay marriage, transgender rights, uh, the rights of various supposedly aggrieved classes of people, such as racial minorities, sexual, mi sexual orientation minorities, um, people with disabilities and other groups. So all of that is set by 
the federal uh, on the federal level by the ruling elites, and people uh, and people in local jurisdictions, states, provinces have zero say uh, about that, about any of that. Uh, add to that now the issue of climate. Um, it is uh, uh, the issue of climate and the environment has been entirely in America taken over by the federal government, just as it is in uh, other Western countries that are social democracies. So uh, that is another another uh, difference between America, how it was supposed to be in social democracies, is that the terms of the debate are not set on a state or provincial level, and therefore your right to vote with your feet is taken away from you. So if you think about it uh, in this way, you can say that your right to vote with your hand, your hands or your mouth, in other words, your right to elect individuals who properly represent your ideology has been taken away from you um, in social democracies and in America as it is today, by the fact that the only candidates who are allowed to present themselves to you are those who are approved by the establishment. And then your right to to vote with your feet has also been taken away from you because in all broad terms and by all broad parameters, um, all the states are the same because they're all subject to the same federal law that is much more pervasive and intrusive than it was ever supposed to be when the constitution was written down. So there is no, if you have a moral objection to gay marriage, for example, like I do, there is no place you can go to in Canada, in Europe, uh, outside of Eastern Europe, let's say, and in America. There is no state in America that can deny people of, 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 of the same sex the right to marry. I wish there were. Maybe I'd move there. But there isn't. Because uh, just very recently it was declared that, uh, that saying that marriage is between one man and one mo- woman was beyond the pale. <clears throat> and no candidate can uh, can can be allowed to propose that that cannot be said it's against the law substantially uh, why is it against the law because the supreme court said so and made that law so laws are supposed to be made in congress but in reality in america they're made in the supreme court the the laws that matter anyway and the supreme court is nothing but a water carrier for the cathedral for the established elites so uh, um, this is the situation now, and I guess we should uh, look next at the issue of guns. And that is one issue in which America still differs from social democracies. In all social democracies, Israel, Canada, uh, Western Europe, uh, uh, guns in the hands of civilians is something that is substantially frowned upon. And certainly there is no right to, to keep and bear arms. So if you're allowed uh, to keep a, a firearm, it is highly regulated in terms of what kind of a firearm, how many rounds 
of ammunition it can hold, uh, calibers, barrel lengths, and so on. And even that uh, allowance is simply that. It's an allowance. In other words, you are permitted uh, to, to, to hold that or to own that uh, weapon until you're no longer permitted to own that weapon. And that is entirely in the hands of the government. In America still today, um, the, the situation is different. And perhaps that's the only way that America still differs from a true social democracy. And um, in that sense, and in that sense, uh, um, there is a difference. But I want to tell you one thing, which is that um, that will soon change. Uh, the, the incoming Biden administration will take immediate action against gun ownership in America precisely because they have already taken away all the other liberties and privileges, not privileges, but rights. And so, and the only substantial difference between America and any other uh, Western social democracy is gun ownership. So that's uh, that's why they're going to go after that, and they're going to after and they're going to go after that very very effectively. Uh, we already know that uh, Biden plans to enact all kinds of fees, uh, taxes substantially, but he's going to call them fees by executive order um, that will apply first to those scary semi-automatic rifles that uh, you know are made of black plastic <clears throat> and uh, well not made out of black plastic but some parts of them are made out of black plastic and have the ability to uh, take high capacity magazines with let's say 30 rounds well he's going to go after those uh, scary so-called assault rifles first with major, major fees. He's going to make it prohibitively expensive for people to own uh, these types of weapons. Now, of course, it will be contested in the Supreme Court and so on, but don't hold your breath, folks. Uh, gun culture in America is very strong, it's true. People, many, many Americans uh, like to own guns uh, rifles, shotguns, and uh, handguns. And uh, it's going to be perhaps the last bastion of American constitutional freedom, but it will also fall. And uh, I'm making this prediction not uh, in any frivolous way, but just because I fully see where things are going and where America is going. And there are tectonic shifts that make it all but impossible for America not to go that way. And these shifts have to do with the next uh, major difference between social democracies and uh, a constitutional republic how America used to be. In social democracies, there is a different compact, agreement, contract, between the lower and upper classes. Uh, the, in, in, maybe I could say it's a bit more of a feudal 
contract. It dates back, or at least um, it has shades of a kind of a feudal arrangement that existed in uh, the pre-democratic West, which was this substantially feudal arrangement. So the feudal lord had certain rights, but, uh, but also certain obligations. You know, the feudal lords owned, they could kill peasants at will if they wanted to. They had the droit de seigneur. In other words, they could enjoy uh, the first night with any uh, young bride before she ever got together with her husband. Um, I'm talking about from the lower classes and uh, other uh, a multitude of other rights, but they also had obligations. They had to provide, the chief among them was they had to provide them for the common defense and maintain an army and maintain city walls behind which uh, villagers could shelter and that could hold stores of uh, food and so on that people could withstand sieges. And they also had a, a, a right, uh, sorry, a priv an obligation. They also had an obligation to... Um, properly husband their lands. In other words, to properly manage the lands that belong to them in such a way that there would be no famine and um, that people ideally would be fed and clothed. So the, the social compact in uh, social democratic countries uh, from Australia to Canada and Western Europe is somehow similar to that. You have these almost hereditary nepotic elites <clears throat> which enjoy enormous privileges but they also do have certain obligations and uh, among them uh, is uh, providing the um, lower classes with free access to education, medicine, uh, clean water, reasonably clean air, let's say, public transport, um, welfare, so a certain minimum standard of living and so on. And that is a powerful arrangement, which, however, is totally foreign to America how it was kind of constituted. Because when America was brought into being 244 years ago, it was a completely different uh, compact between the states and between the elites and the regular people. The compact was totally different. The compact was this. Everybody will do their thing. And uh, uh, the, only, the only thing the government will do is stop people from uh, intervening illegally in each other's matters and stop foreign countries or entities from intervening in America's matters as a whole. So you could call it something like providing a level playing field. But other than that, individuals rich or poor were left to fend for themselves. Right? So, <clears throat> you know, if people felt, you know, you can see that in a lot of Westerns, right? If people in a town felt like you know, their security was 
at risk because there was there were marauders and robbers and so on. They, <clears throat> you know, did a little uh, uh, levy and uh, uh, everybody contributed a couple of dollars and they hired, you know, a guy who used to be bad but was now good and was really good with his, you know, six-shooter. Kind of like in a fistful of dollars, right? Or that kind of thing. And in other words, they arranged for their own security. And uh, that uh, um, uh, that indeed was what's happening. You could have a gated community if you wanted to. You could hire security. Uh, you could do whatever you wanted within very broad parameters. But what you didn't do was to look to the government or to your or to the rich guy, you know, in your neighborhood, uh, to take care of you. You took care of yourself. That was the old American way. You took care of yourself. <clears throat> and the rich guy was rich and you were poor and that was okay. Maybe you did something uh, to make your, your, your lot in life better and maybe you did something to make sure that your kids could have a better life and maybe they would be rich one day. But you didn't envy the rich guy and didn't ask him for anything. You just took care of yourself. More on that in the next segment. My fellow Americans, you've watched for decades as radical Marxists have systematically taken over some of our nation's most cherished institutions. And like us, we're pretty sure you're not happy about any of it. But this is the America we now find ourselves in. AmericaOutloud.com is fighting back with one of the fastest growing conservative media networks in the world, featuring some of the nation's most influential experts and commentators. It is a fight for the soul of humanity. America Out Loud Talk Radio is the voice of liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to the show, my friends, to our final segment today. <clears throat> Where we left off was this idea that in America, uh, how it was uh, first originally instituted, uh, people fended for themselves. There was no, there were no limits placed uh, either on your success nor or on your failure. In other words, you could be a Rockefeller, but you could also substantially die of hunger if you know if you were a jerk all your life and you didn't have um, somebody who loved you and would uh, you know of the goodness of your heart um, give you uh, something to eat so uh, you uh, were free to succeed beyond your wildest imagination you were also free to fail to the point of starvation well, in America today, uh, people don't want that. That let's be let's be honest about this. The whole "live free or die" thing that you can see on uh, license plates in New Hampshire uh, may have, and I believe it did have, some to do with America in 1776, but it has nothing to do with America today, and that's important that we realize that. Um, traditional values can only be held by traditional people. Uh, 
um, liberty can only be fully enjoyed by people who are brave and self-sufficient and who are willing to accept enormous risks, even to the point of physical destruction for themselves and their families. And I'm not, uh, you know, this is not hyperbole. When America chose to rebel against England, those who led that movement, the revolutionary movement, or, or joined it actively, took their lives very, very much in their hands. They would have been hanged uh, had things gone the other way, which they very well could have. And, uh, you know, they could have been, they would have been hanged or their property, properties would have been forfeit uh, and so on. So their, their uh, mothers and daughters and wives would have been left to beg on the streets. It, it, it was, they were all, in, well, as we can clearly see in America today, there are no Americans like that left anymore. And, 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 and this is not a criticism. This is just how things are. And that's true not only in America, it's true everywhere in, 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 the, in the West and maybe everywhere in the world. Uh, it's just kind of how it is. So the, what we have in America today is people are looking for a new arrangement, a new compact with their government, a compact that is more similar to the one that exists in Western Europe and uh, Canada and uh, Australia and so on. And this is a compact that is a little bit more similar to how things were back in the old feudal days when the nobility, the hereditary elites had certain, had many rights, but it also had certain obligations. And in, those obligations included protecting the peasantry from foreign invade from foreign invaders and uh, kind of husbanding the lands properly and making sure that um, things kind of went at least nominally well. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, and that's what we have today in the West. The government uh, takes so much of your money away in, in taxes that it's very very difficult to really succeed you know when my engineering career was in full swing i visited many successful companies in europe like in germany for example that were started by uh, entrepreneurs in in the rubble heap that was germany after the second world war and they built enormous companies that are now uh, occupying these glass, uh, shimmering glass and um, steel edifices um, and, and just are enormously successful. And I've often asked uh, the people that I met with who were highly placed within that company, you know, and I would say, well, would it be possible for somebody today in Germany to do what Herr so-and-so who founded this company did in 1948? And the answer was invariably not a chance in heck, right? No chance. Because today, um, this entrepreneurship, this um, there's just not enough freedom. You cannot keep enough of your money to succeed in that way. There's too much regulation and so on. So 
people today accept limits on their success as long as there is also a kind of a bottom, a safety net under them in terms of their failure. So uh, when you limit the risk, you limit the reward. That's just how nature works. And if America back in the day had limitless rewards, but also limitless risks, that's not, not what Americans want today. And we can talk in this segment about uh, two things that are uh, at, the, at the center of this. One is healthcare and the other uh, is education. When it comes to healthcare, uh, back in the day, if you were injured, uh, you know, you would be visited by the local doctor, you know, driving his own horse and buggy with a little bag, you know, leather satchel. And he would, you know, take your pulse and uh, maybe listen to your heart or something and then just, you know, say, uh, t- tell your relatives that you either made it through the night or not. You know, you either called him back or you called the undertaker. And that's that was pretty much the extent of medicine when America was founded. But today, nobody would accept that standard of care. Today, every American, if, 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 if should, God forbid, they be injured or sick, wants to be taken to a state-of-the-art hospital that has equipment in it that is worth cumulatively tens and, in, in most cases, hundreds of millions of dollars, and more importantly, the development of which, the research and development money that was spent on developing these CT scanners, MRIs, and so on, was in the many billions, tens of billions, hundreds of billions. So today, when you go and receive healthcare in the American hospital, the 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 cost of it, uh, you start counting from thousands and up, and there is really almost no upper limit on how much you can spend. So the idea that you can fund it yourself is 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 unthinkable unless you're a multi-multi-millionaire, I'm talking about unless if your net worth is liquid net worth is in the tens of millions and up, maybe you can do it, but uh, if not, then forget about it. Um, Well, so most Americans can't afford it. And to be honest, most Americans can't even afford the $15 or $50 copay they, they have to pay for a regular doctor visit. In other words, for most Americans, the idea that some tax cut that amounts to a thousand, two thousand dollars a year that, that the Republicans are so keen on giving them is that helpful when the deductible on their on their uh, health insurance is two thousand dollars? That's just you know it's 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 crazy. These these little tax cuts don't mean anything, which is why nobody in America really wants them. Uh, that's not what people want. People want a medical event to not be a financial event. In other words, I do believe that most people in America, I really firmly believe it, that most people in America want some sort of socialized medicine in which they go see a doctor for whatever reason, for whatever procedure, and pay nothing. Now, I know, because I live in Canada now, and I lived uh, most of my life in Israel, I know that quite often this involves some wait times, and the hospitals are perhaps not 
quite as beautiful as they are in America, even though that's not necessarily true. And most countries in the West, though not Canada, allow riders on government uh, health care, which would allow you to see the doctor of your choice quickly and get a private room in a hospital and so on. And I think that hybrid system works well. But the idea that, you know, a random medical event such as uh, sickness or injury can cause you financial hardship is just not acceptable in the modern world. And the same thing with education. You know, it's not, it's, it is ridiculous to the point of being quite funny that in America, in order to get some standard baseline education, like a degree in engineering or a degree in business, you have to spend somewhere between 150 and $200,000 just for tuition, forget about living expenses. Uh, it's just insane. And it's uh, not even close to what is happening in other places in the world. In Western Europe, education through postdoctoral is completely free. In Canada, it's substantially free if you go in province and cost just a little bit, maybe seven grand a year if you go out of province. So the, you know, the idea, so in other words, in the rest of the world, you can get your engineering degree, your business degree, your law degree, or medical degree for either nothing or maybe about 20% of what it would cost to get a similar degree in America. And the idea that Americans have to worry about paying for their kids' education is crazy. America needs doctors, it needs lawyers, it needs engineers, it needs teachers, it needs people who know literature and art and so on. And it also needs welders and forklift drivers, but the forklifts of today needs, need, need, need you to, to be able to operate computers. CNC machines, you know, computerized machining, additive manufacturing, 3D printing, all of that requires technical education. You must go to a good high school and then to a good either community college or trade school or university to make it in America. And education is the great differentiator between success and failure. And the idea that in order to get educated, you have to bankrupt your family or yourself or to in, uh, incur a mountain of debt is, is simply insane. So no, that's not how it's going to be. That's not what most Americans want. And so from that perspective too, America is uh, looking for a new social comp compact. Uh, because of this advent of new technology, because of how long it takes you to become skilled today, skilled enough to make a living, the old compact of everybody kind of taking care of substantially themselves and the government playing only the role of an umpire is no longer sustainable. So there's no going back to that. And honestly, nobody wants it. Nobody wants it. Uh, so the problem with, you know, the MAGA movement or the problem with people who support President Trump is that it's very difficult for them, I think, to formulate a coherent, cohesive ideology. Because they, just like everybody else, wants access 
to the best healthcare and the best education, either for free or for a small fraction of what it costs today. And the only existing model for achieving that is actually the social democratic model of high taxation. And that's where America is going. Um, you know, when you look at uh, the divide in America between people who like President Trump and people who don't like him, that divide does not go through any geographical place, which is why America cannot break up into you know, two separate countries. And this talk about secession makes no sense because the divide in America is, a, is, a, is along class lines, not along any kind of geography. In the reddest of all red states, like uh, Missouri or Texas or you name it, the educated, affluent elites are progressive. There's just not enough of them to overcome the votes of, let's call it simply, the poor, uneducated people, right? So, if 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 uh, if you if if Trump was if the election was held only among people who make less than fifty grand a year and have only a high school diploma, Trump would be elected with 75-80% of the vote. If the election were held among people making $100,000 a year and up and who have bachelor's degree or postgraduate degrees, master's, PhDs, Trump would get barely a quarter of the vote. So the divide is not geographical. The divide is not coast or the east-west coast uh, on one side and the middle of the country on the other side. The divide is along class line, education line, lines. So, uh, and that is why the election could be stolen because, you know, power in the world rests in the hands of the powerful, not of the powerless. That goes without saying, doesn't it? I mean, it makes sense. So a country in which, a country cannot be governed by a person who is absolutely rejected by its ruling classes, which was the case in America between 2016 and 2020. That's just not possible. Countries are ruled by whom? By the ruling elites. That's, what, that's how countries are always... And, and same go, in America, the situation was more egalitarian, perhaps, in old days... But it was still ruled, America was still ruled by its elites. It's just that its elites were different than the elites of today. Right? But, you know, Trump is just not acceptable to the America, to America's ruling classes. And, you know, so they just changed the election results to suit them. And there's nothing anybody's going to be able to do about it. The people who sit in the Supreme Court are as much as much of as much as, as much members of the ruling classes in America as, as as you know Bloomberg or anyone else. So America is uh, uh, completing its journey from being a constitutional republic in which there was an open playing field to succeed or fail, as much as you know without limit, to a social democracy like the rest of the West. It's just completing that journey with a bit of a delay, just a few decades. 
But that's the trend. And there is nothing that's going to oppose that trend or put a stop to it. The West has been trending that way and America is just, for various reasons, four or five decades behind. But it's getting there now. So America is going to be a social democracy just like Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Israel, Western Europe. And next, in the next segment, or next episode, rather, next week, we will talk about what you can thrive in that environment. So stay tuned, choose to be free, see you next time.